Our gospel lesson starts in the fourth chapter. You know, I've heard that the Bible really wasn't divided into verses and chapters till long after it was written. So we'll start where the paragraph begins instead of where that fifth chapter begins. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Today is the first of four Sundays we will spend in the portion of Matthew's Gospel known as the Sermon on the Mount. Although Matthew doesn't call it a sermon, does he? He calls it teaching. In Matthew's Gospel, there are really five long discourses or sermons, and this is the first and most widely read. Chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew include the Beatitudes, the Golden Rule, the Lord's Prayer, and a number of proverbs and sayings that are familiar parts of our culture. The overarching theme of these chapters is discipleship. Discipleship is the response to Jesus' call. In Matthew 4.17, we read last week, Jesus proclaimed, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then the Sermon on the Mount explains what that proclamation implies for all those who follow Jesus. 
Now remember that last week we talked about how Jesus called two sets of brothers to leave their boat and their nets to continue their fishing work as disciples, as fishers of men. Then crowds from all around followed Jesus. Matthew tells us who was in that crowd. Those who were afflicted with various diseases, pains, demoniacs. Now, demoniacs was their word for people with any kind of mental illness or, or affliction there. Epileptics, paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from, and then it tells us the expanse of folks that came. It's wider than the group who came to, to listen to John the Baptist. From Galilee, the Decapolis. Now the Decapolis, it's a Greek sounding name, you know, it's, it has to do with, it's a federation of about 10 Greek cities. Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And we don't really know what mountain that was. I have a friend who was in the Holy Land back in uh, November, and she sent me pictures, and one of them said, Mount of the Beatitudes. Well, the Bible doesn't really tell us which mountain that was, so they've, for tourism's sake, they've, they've taken a good guess. But what we do know is that mountains were often the places where humanity met God in the Bible. Such as when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And we know that mountains were important settings in the life of Jesus. One of the temptations had occurred on a high mountain. And Jesus was tempted, jump off this high mountain and surely angels will save you. The transfiguration was on a mountain. The great commission was given on a mountain when Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And then, of course, Jesus was crucified on a mountain called Golgotha or Calvary. Now Matthew continues, after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Well, sitting was the position, the posture of a rabbi, a teacher in those days. So then he began to speak and he taught them. So first he healed them and then he taught them that God cares about the poor in spirit, the humble, merciful, peacemakers, and those persecuted for righteousness sake. He taught them that God will not forget you. That God will not abandon you. And that God will not leave you hopeless. A beatitude is a blessing. The word comes from a Latin word, beatus, which means blessed or happy. It is a form that was familiar to the crowd that Jesus was talking to. For example, the very first psalm starts, Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but who take delight in the law of the Lord. And on his law they meditate day and night. Also, the 128th psalm starts, Happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Each of the nine Beatitudes begins, blessed are, or 
Some translations will say happy are. But what does that mean? When you encounter someone in mourning, someone that you would describe as poor in spirit, someone meek, surely your first thought is not, you sure are happy, you sure are blessed. But that is what Jesus said. Dr. Uh, Richard Halverson was a Presbyterian preacher who was, at part of his career, was the chaplain for the United States Senate in the 1980s. Along the way, he wrote, God says, blessed are the poor in spirit. But we say, blessed are the achievers. God says, blessed are those who mourn. But we say, blessed are those who are self-fulfilled. Jesus says, blessed are the meek. But we say, ooh, the powerful are blessed. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. But we say, blessed are the unrestrained. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, but we say, blessed are the manipulators. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, but we say, blessed are those who are uninhibited. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, but we say, blessed are the strong. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, but we say, blessed are the expedient. Those were practical, you know. Jesus said that we are blessed when we are persecuted for his sake. But we say, blessed are the aggressors, those who go for it, seize the day. Jesus challenges the very selfishness that determines so much of our own behavior. In a world that was ruled by the mighty Roman Empire, in a world that favored power, wealth, and status, and it still does, Jesus announced that God's favor is with the powerless and the poor, with those who are without resources and short on options. Concern for the poor was really a long-standing part of Judaism. Back in Deuteronomy we read, if there's anyone among you in need, a member of your community, or in any of your towns within the land the Lord has, your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your needy neighbor. You should rather open your hand willingly, lending enough to meet the need, whatever it may be. And another verse reads, since there will never cease to be some in need on earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your land. The poor in spirit, in their desperate need, cry to God. Back in the 34th Psalm we read, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. The meek are those who really aren't in the world's race for power, but those who serve others. Now, we, we define meek as quiet or gentle or easily imposed on, but that does not mean weak. The Greek word used here, praus, it's the same word that the philosopher Aristotle had used and 
Aristotle talked a lot about in his uh, books on ethics, talked about how the golden mean between too much of that. When I used to explain this to uh, patients, this concept to patients I worked with, if they were real, real smart, I, I called it one thing. If they weren't so smart, I'd tell them about Aristotle. But if they were real, real smart, I'd tell them it was the Goldilocks principle. But it's the same idea. Not too much and not too little, but just right. It's the same concept. Aristotle used that same word for prous, which just gets translated here as meek, as between, we would today say assertive, between being too aggressive, too angry, and not being angry enough, being indifferent. When something horrible goes on, indifference is not the right response. But having the right level, the right level, and meek is, is where he named it, and Jesus says, blessed are the meek. This kind of meekness involves self-control, gentleness, humility. You need to be meek in order to receive instruction. There's one philosopher who says, you can't teach a man something he already knows. And you know, there are a lot of wives that could say that too, right? <laughs> At least something they think they already know. You have to be meek to receive instruction. You have to be meek to accept forgiveness. You have to be meek to walk in grace or to live in love. The second group of the Beatitudes promise rewards for those who join God in alleviating the suffering of those who were named in those earlier Beatitudes, including those who exercise the divine quality of mercy. Not long ago, I heard about a fellow who saw a man almost in tears because he could not by. He could not afford the medicine his child needed, and the sick child was there in the car. And this man gave him enough money to pay for that prescription and, and, and maybe a little more. And his wife, who was wise in the ways of the world, said, you know, he might be fooling you. And he said, you know, if that's true, then that's on him. You see, he had decided if he was going to make a mistake, it would be on the side of meanness or stinginess, but on the side of mercy, on the side of generosity. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are those who long to see good prevail in their own lives and in the world. Peacemakers are those who the Apostle Paul described in Romans as not overcome by evil, but those who overcome evil with good. Peace, or if you prefer the Hebrew word shalom, peace is a gift of God, a blessing freely offered. But like so many blessings, like so many gifts, you have to be open to receiving it. Blessed are those who seek peace. Tonight you may have heard there's some sort of football game on television. <laughs> During that game, that I've, I've heard one survey said that more than half the people, about half the people watch it, watch it just for the commercials. Advertisers are going to show you 30-second ads 
that cost them $4 million just to have it shown and a lot more to come up with them. And some of them will show you one-minute ads. They pay $8 million just to show you this little story. The advertisers, they are happy that this once-a-year event is the one time they can count on you to watch those commercials. Not just you, me too, all of us. Well, later this year, we'll see a lot of political ads, and those, those, ads, will, those ads will have two themes, fear or hope. They fear you'll vote for the other guy, and they hope you'll vote for their, their guy or, or girl. But the ads tonight, the ads tonight are going to be, they're going to be offering some clever entertainment. Oh, I've seen a couple of them, and you may have too. There's a cute one about a family and a dad with Cheerios, and there's a cute one with a puppy and a Clydesdale. But what that has to do with beer, I don't know. But anyway... <laughs> They'll imply the promise of something everybody wants. Happiness. The problem, of course, is that happiness, is, happiness doesn't come in a beer can, though a lot of people have looked for it there. <laughs> happiness doesn't come in a, in a fancy car. They are kind of cool to have, but they don't. And happiness doesn't even come with 15% off your car insurance. You see, happiness is not something you buy. Happiness is not something you get. It's not even something you just feel. Happiness is something you do. The Beatitudes tell us that the way to be truly happy is to trust God, to base your hope not in money or power or status, but in God, and to join God in alleviating the suffering of those who mourn, of those who yearn for peace, those who are in need of mercy, and those who really need to hear the good news of God's abundant grace. Thanks be to God. May God who knows us and loves us, who calls us and saves us, Bless us with vision to see, faith to believe, and courage to act. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Mm -hmm.